Tired of the old hack and slash? Ready to try something new? Tonight we bring you five tabletop games that will delight your socks off. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight, we're bringing you five tabletop games that you should be playing right now. Right now. Before this, we even start this episode. That's right. Get them, read our minds. And play these games. Play these games. Tonight, we're going to talk about five awesome tabletop games, some of which you may nev- have never heard of, a couple of which have been around for a while. Quite a while, in one case. But they're delightful. Start playing them, right? Right now. Right now. But before we get to all of that, if you haven't yet, hit that like and subscribe button. Help us get our show out to more people and get notified when more amazing episodes come your way. And if you're listening to the show, give us a review on iTunes or Podchaser. Click the five stars. Do all the good stuff. Our psychic abilities will know. Mm. Matt's psychic abilities. He's working on them. I'm telling you. It's true. You are really working on your psychic abilities? Yes. Right now I can make my cat blink. That's very good. (laughs) So let's address something before we jump into these five tabletop games. And this is important because we had an amazing episode last week. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, we talked about D&D version wars. Right. Where we went over all of the various versions of D&D. Yes. The goods, some of the bads, Mm -hmm. some of the uglies. Occasionally. And we had a whole host of amazing feedback, both from our YouTube show and, of course, people who emailed us. Some people wrote to us on Twitter. Yeah. Thank you, folks. We appreciate it. Seriously. And we have goofed. We've made a few mistakes. We're, not, we're man enough to admit these mistakes. Absolutely. I'm man enough to admit all my mistakes. <laughs> I make them all the time. Right. A uh, couple of ones. Uh, we, we noticed there was a couple discrepancies between uh, OG D&D and First Edition. Thank you, folks, for letting us know about that. It's been a very long time since either of us have played that, and we didn't do enough homework. Yeah, we, we maybe glanced at Wikipedia before we jumped in, which that's our fault. That's our bad. But more importantly, the elephant room is really the dragon lance in the room because, Matt, how the hell did we forget or neglect that there is a ton of dragon lance material for third edition? I have no idea. Probably we were so busy hating the fact that they didn't produce a bunch of stuff we already wanted that we just didn't notice that they also actually did produce some stuff for dragon lance. Your mind was blinded by the dark side of the force. Yes, so apparently there's a lot of material for Dragonlance that were core, that were made for 3rd edition, 3.5 specifically, I believe. And a lot of you took the time to comment to us about that. Thank you very much. Some even sent pictures. They did. We we appreciate it, seriously. We got graphs and charts in the background. They sent us an abacus. It was great. (laughs) The thing is, is if we're wrong and no one corrects us, then we just continue to be wrong. But if people are nice enough to actually share their knowledge with us, then we get to stop being wrong, which I prefer. I don't like being wrong, so I'd rather just know. That's true. Feel free to call me out. I'm very happy that everybody did it politely for the most part. So thank you, Internet, for correcting us on that. We'll hopefully not make too many mistakes, but uh, no promises. All right, so Matt, we love high fantasy, but... These are maybe a little further off the beaten track than that. So we've got five games we feel that you should be playing right now, and if you don't know about them, you're about to. It's very simple. We've got the name, what the game is about, mm-hmm. a little bit of a brief play style, maybe show you how it's played. We're not going to dive into too many rules. 
We're going to tell you the mechanics, what the core mechanics are. And then what we love about the game and why we think you should be playing these games. So let's dive into the first one, Matt. Okay. You have down here, Old Gods of Appalachia. Yeah. I love some of the actual historical creep factor of Appalachia. So let's talk about it. This game was created by Monty Cook Games, based off the podcast by Steve Shell and Cam Collins. So there's a podcast that started this whole shindig, and then Monty Cook Games made a game out of it, which we yep. love Monty Cook. They even did a live show here in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, I think, at this mm -hmm. point. That's right. It is the role-playing game of the green, the dark, and things even more ancient. Mm -hmm. Call of Cthulhu stuff, folks. Who wouldn't love this? Eldritch horror in the Appalachia in the 1920s and 30s. So we've got a little bit of dark grimness. We've got mountains of madness type style. Right. You get to play as railroad workers, preachers, healers, miners, and more while trying not to lose yourself to horrible madness. I, I love everything about this. It's great. It sounds awesome. You get to play with skills, special abilities, or equipment, as well as single-use ciphers to beat back the darkness. And lastly, try to protect the things that matter to you in the game, such as family, community, or perhaps something darker or more sinister, while trying to know things that cannot be known by mortal creatures. I love it. Yeah. Air of desperation, kind of like the mists of Appalachia. You've got a nice supernatural mythology being born in this area. And there always has been. Yeah, always ghost stories in, in the mountains. Yep, and things other than ghosts. So tell me, though, what are the bones of this? What's the mechanic set up for it? Well, the bones are the cipher system. And if you're unfamiliar with the cipher system, it's a D20-based system. If you've played D&D &D or Pathfinder, you'll easily pick it up in a few minutes. If you haven't played D&D &D or Pathfinder, you'll still pick it up fairly quickly, right? The you math is simple. Yeah. The math is simple. It's based off of target numbers or DCs, right? Difficulty ratings. It goes from 1 to 10, 1 being you could probably do it automatically, to 10 being it's almost impossible. Right. You know, you're beating back Cthulhu at a DC of 10. Cthulhu's eyes. Yeah, and the DC basically is whatever the target number is, multiply that by 3, that's the score you got to get on a D20. So obviously anything over a 6, you're not going to get with a roll. Right. You're going to have to have modifiers of some sort. Yeah, you got to have skills or magic or some kind of cipher, right. things like that. Equipment is multi-use in many cases. Artifacts are very powerful, but they also come with a dark cost, as things should in a Cthulhu-style game, right? Sure. And that's pretty much it. It's very simple. It's got a lot of really cool horror. I think everybody should play that. What do you love about it? You mean aside from Lovecraft in the mountains? <laughs> Sure. The idea of playing this, imagine this miner that is just dug too deep. And, and too greedily. <laughs> Mines of Moria, perhaps. Oh, the Mines of Appalachia, right? You're digging for coal sure. and you find something that's not coal. It's got a tentacle. It's going to get you. Coal tentacle. Why not? Got the, it got the canary in the coal mine first, dragged it under, turned it into something horrible. I was just thinking that. I was literally thinking I would love to run a scene where you're walking down with there with a canary and the canary turns to you. It says, nevermore. <laughs> yeah, man. It's awesome. It explores really cool aspects of stark horror, isolation, which I think is a neat concept to explore in a game. And 
this a lot of this comes from the podcast also loneliness the concept yeah. of loneliness and how it kind of relates to like eldritch horror that's a fun different way to play a role-playing game i think yeah the podcast by the way if you haven't listened to it is suitably creepy everyone should listen to it before they roll up the game i mean that makes sense definitely at least a few episodes to really kind of sink into the vibe of it all and finally it's got some choice nasty monsters i mean just disturbingly creepy <laughs> and you know i love a game with a bunch of monsters sure next up we have wicked ones matt why should we be playing wicked ones tell me a bit about this game it's a Forged in the Dark game by Ben Nielsen and Victor Costa. Okay. Talk to me about the game itself. Basically, it's Group Dungeon Keeper the game. Ooh, that sounds fun. You pick a monster, you control a dungeon, you expand your influence, defend against raiding heroes from the surface. I loved the old Dungeon Keeper, and this basically just allows me to multiplay it with friends as an RPG. Your creatures need a bigger lair. It is payday. Exactly. Dungeon Keeper was the jam. <laughs> and yeah, I love the idea of being able to play Dungeon Keeper as a, as a role-playing game. How fun is that? Talk to me about how Wicked Ones is played, Matt. Wicked Ones runs on the Blades in the Dark mechanic. Basically, all the dice that are rolled are rolled on a D6. Okay, so all I need is a bunch of D6s to play the game. Only a couple, really. It doesn't take a whole lot. Sixes are a success. Four and five is success with a complication. Two and three are complications, and one is very, very complication. It's my <laughs> Super bad. certain death. The game is played in a cycle. It starts with roaming, which is basically just like scouting and identifying options for what you can do. Mm -hmm. Raiding, which is actively attempting to secure wealth, materials, what have you. Lurking, which is basically your downtime. It is doing projects to better yourself, better your equipment, better your dungeon, what have you. So dungeon side quest to make the dungeon better? Yes. I love that. You've got to expand your lair. Yeah. got to. Like I said, it's payday. you got to pay all your monsters. Your creatures need more room. Expand the hatchery. Mm-hmm. And lastly is defending. The pesky heroes have come to destroy your hive of evil, and you must repel them. Ah, uh, as if that wasn't all. Why do you love this game, Wicked Ones, Matt? I think mostly I've covered it, but I love empire-building games, and when you couple them with Dungeon Keeper and the whole vibe that this game brings, it is entirely possible that this game was literally written for me. This sounds like a fun game that might potentially be a very quick one-off, too. Like you, it doesn't seem like a lot of uptake to play a game with a couple of people just on a random day. Another thing I like about it is the fact that like, you could play this as a straight-laced game, and that would be fun, but if you played this as like a cartoony, high-humor game, this game could be a riot. Oh, dude, like it's a comedy show? Yes. This could be a great—you know what I was thinking is this would be a great improv comedy show as well. Yeah. Folks, you guys want to do some streaming with us, hit me up. This, sound, this, is, this is perfect for that. Yeah, I 100%, especially because you could have, you don't all have to play the same monster. It's not like you have to be a group of goblins. You get to have a goblin, a brain eater, which is their version of an illithid, mm -hmm. and that sort of, oh my God, it could be so funny. Can I play an eyeball tyrant, their version of a beholder. Do they have yeah, beholders in that? I think, I want to say they do. They better. I'll have to double check. Yeah. You know what I would be, of course. Which one? 
a necromancer? <laughs> well, no, I would I would be a uh, Kuatoa. Mm, they do have a fish people. Yeah, you know, you know how I feel about Kuatoas, man. They got to have the Margaritaville T-shirt. Sure, nice. <laughs> the T-shirt with the Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned over it. It's got to be on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's got a margarita in his hand. By the way, if you guys don't know what we're talking about at all, go check out the Kuatoa and Salhagen episode that we had. It makes a lot more sense. It makes moderately more sense. (laughs) We're going to change tack from something that has the potential for humor to maybe something a little darker. Tell me about Corpse King. Yeah, so this again, another horror game that I've picked for uh, five TTRPGs you should be playing right now. It is a rules light gothic dark fantasy written by wade k savage and it is bad ass okay nice it deals with three corpse kings from uh nazai i believe is how it's pronounced a trio of necromancers who forsook their humanity after climbing this dark black tower of the same name so imagine these three the tower of nazai yeah sure yeah, they go climb the tower they beat it they defeat it they become the overlords of this realm what would happen if the Dark Lords won the world? Now you get to play in that realm. They won. They basically became the big bads. They wrecked everything. So very uh, very Ravenloft, very Black Company, if you ever read the series The Black Company. The Corpse Kings have laid waste to the known lands, and now you must make your way through a mysterious and haunting city. Explore the city of the dead, kill stuff, do some fun intrigue, maybe die and play as something monstrous. I want you to imagine... Because it's the city that sprouted out from the actual tower. Very much a Planescape Sigil vibe. Okay. Because it's a big-ass city. Sure. Very much a Ravenloft vibe to it as well, because it's a city of the dead. Now, you could play a living creature if you want. Sure. But you can also play vampires. That makes sense. Yeah. In fact, you could play as all kinds of stuff. Like what? You could play, again, vampires, undead of all types. Uh, I think they're called Dreary, which are demon-type creatures, werewolves, Gorgulia, Race, Rotweiss, Anak Lapar, basically ghouls, okay. Worm Chosen, think of uh, the Sons of Caius, mm. and humans. They're called unnatural because... Because they're not any sort of <laughs> because undead. Because they're or, not undead, right? Right. It would be great. You can imagine the city of the dead. There's dead bars. There's dead courtesans. You know, people walk around, rotting flesh everywhere, and they're looking around, and they're like, who the fuck is that guy? Who's the creep with the nice skin? Yeah. Oh, my God. Walking around in the daytime? What's up with him? His flesh doesn't slough at all. Let's talk about play style a little bit. Okay. Simple D6 and D20s to use. You got four attributes, body, mind, spirit, and soul. Soul. Sure. Combat is D20 to hit. D6 determines how effective the attack is. So... You roll a d20, and then you roll your d6 to determine uh, what type of damage you do, basically. So you have skills associated with the attack. Gotcha. Very simple stuff, right? Skills, magic, modifiers change how devastating the actual hit is. There's no classes to speak of. Basically, you pick your creature type, pick the skills, and you build your character. So for those of you who like to build on a concept, Matt is currently clapping his hands very silently and plotting. (laughs) then you would love this game. Do you want to play an undead sentinel? No problem. You want to play a vampire necromancer? No problem. A ghoul barbarian? You could do it. You know, I love games where you can just build out a character. 
I'm thinking a worm chosen jester. That might be fun. Or no, no. A worm chosen ventriloquist. That's, <laughs> I honestly thought that's where you were going with that. Yeah, I <laughs> really little, did. Yep. He's got a little puppet. His little worm. Oh, I was talking about the worm. Like that's using what I'm the, saying. The yeah. worm is, the, is, is using a puppet. He could have so many. How delightful. It could be a Punch and Judy show. Sure. <laughs> yeah, for me, the ability to mix and match and the fact that there's no actual classes that you can just string stuff together. I love games like that. They make me so happy. In addition to that, the game can be a lot of things. It's not just hack and slash. You can do some exploration. It's intrigue heavy, which we both enjoy a lot. Sure. And if you just want to kill some stuff, do some hack and slash. It's a giant undead monstrous city full of all kinds of creatures. And you can also explore the rest of the world if you want. But why would you? You're hanging out in this giant undead city. There's a lot of stuff to get into. Well, I mean, you got to go procure food for the city on occasion uh, yes every now and then that would make a great intrigue game where it's your job to go start wars in the mortal world mm -hmm. so that you could just go and grab all the food when the war is over for the ghasts and ghouls that's yeah corpses for the ghasts and ghouls living subjects for the vampires sure could happen clearly we like horror games and, and stuff like that. What is it you love specifically about this game? The developer says it's a love letter to Ravenloft and damned if it isn't true. I love that sort of horror. And if you love that sort of horror, you will love Corpse Kings. I love the flexibility to play something monstrous. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that you're not really locked into a specific series of classes or rules. You basically... What kind of monster do you want to play? You want to play that monster? Oh, you want to play a human? You could do that too, right? You want to do some crazy shit? You could do some crazy shit. Sure. That's also fun. This would be great for an evil campaign. Yeah, play a bunch I mean, of, I can see that. Play a bunch of villains, right? You're already a bunch of monsters. Play a bunch of anti-villains in a monstrous city. Sure. Fighting the necromancers. You could do that too. And finally, this game is fucking metal. It's badass stuff, right? Speaking of things that are also metal, we've got what, Matt? The question of the week. All right. What is the question of the week this week? I like to try and keep them on theme. We're, this is kind of on theme-ish. If you were to write a game to put on this list, what would the spin be that makes it a must-play game? Ooh, that's a tough one, actually. Uh, I will say I'm going to consider some sort of fizz rep type of game. So some kind of physical representation while you're playing the game. So in the game, maybe magic is alchemy. Okay. I think that would be kind of a cool concept. Sure. And this, by the way, should only be played with bartenders. That way, whenever you drink a potion, it's a delightful alcoholic beverage. Maybe a shot. You don't want to get right. too wasted. Right. But as you play a game, you just take shots. That would be a lot of fun. And you know what? I think that the uh, storyteller should also take shots with you, and the game progressively get, gets worse over time. Sure. <laughs> I feel like uh, the tagline for the game is play responsibly. Absolutely. Yeah. Theoretically, adults know where their limits are, and you can keep playing and just get lighter and lighter proof throughout the evening or start taking shots of beer if it's planning on if it's going to be a long night. So, yeah, that would work. We need more drinking games. That's true. We should have a drinking tabletop game. That would be a lot of fun. Would be fun. What about you? What would you come up with? 
So you're aware that I am not super great at running one shots. Right. I'm good at coming up with them, but I'm not good at keeping them in a one-shot scenario. Yeah, one-shots tend to be 20. <laughs> On occasion, yes. I think what I would want to do is make a game that the storyteller running it actually has decks of cards, and you draw from the cards to create and iterate a one-shot as you go. Oh, that would be cool. And I think because I love fusion genres... The first deck is you shuffle it, draw two cards, and you mix two genres together. Just a mashup. Yep. Oh, yeah. Random mashup is always fun. I think we could combine that with the drinking, and we have ourselves a game we could probably pop out at some point. That could be fun, too. Bartender's Delight, my friends. Starting location is the second deck that you have to pull from. (laughs) And if it's a tavern, everybody has to drink like before the game even starts. Up, oh, got a drink. Starts There's in a tavern. tavern. Starts in a tavern on this game, yes. Of course, we're always interested in your answers to the question of the week, and if you have one, hit us up at Goblins Corner on Twitter and all the various socials that we have that Matt loves to talk on. And you can always just comment down below. It's what it's here for. On all the comment places. Next up, we've got two more games that we think you should be playing right now. And Matt, I am honestly surprised that there are still people in this world that have not heard about Starfinder. Me too. It's been around. Yeah, and I was talking to somebody in phys- in the physical world about it the other day, and you were speaking to somebody on the Discord about it the other day. They're like, what's Starfinder? I'm like, are you serious? You haven't played Starfinder? Let me tell you all about Starfinder. That's you need delightful. to know. This is a great game. They're like, I'm looking for a sci-fi game to play. Well, here you go. It's right here. It's amazing. If you love sci-fi and fantasy, it's a game you should be plugged into. Yes. So tell me, what is Starfinder about? I mean, I know, but... It's Pathfinder in space. Nice. You've got robots. You've got spaceships. But you also have magic, technomancy, and a little bit of all kinds of other stuff, too. You've got giant nosed aliens on a ball. Oh, yeah. If you know what we're talking about, we'll get to that in just a second. You don't have to know anything about Pathfinder to love Starfinder, by the way. I, story-wise, it centers around this solar system called the Pack Worlds. There's various planets therein. Each one is a different world into and of itself. We've got Abalon, Castrovel, Absalon Station, Akaton, Versailles, Idari, the Diaspora, Aox, Triaxis, Leavara, and Bretheta, Apostate, and Octurn. And there's a lot of really cool stuff. Everything from robots and AI from the first world to hamster arms dealers which are the the yasoki sure there are psionic uh tentacled aliens there are there's an undead world there's an undead world yeah there's little uh jellyfish creatures that that merge with themselves to make structures and stuff on bretheta nice there's also uh skittermanders Mm-hmm. which are, for those of you playing the home game, basically Stitch. Yes. They're like a very social version of Stitch. And that's just the beginning. Yeah. And you can explore the rest of the galaxy as well. <laughs> sure. There's a whole galaxy. Magic and science. You want to play an android that's a technomancer and cast spells like Wall of Fire? You can do it. You want to be, as I mentioned, a hamster Yasoki that happens to pilot drones? Sure thing. Or gene splices. They've got gene splicers. No problem. Do you want to be a nine-foot-tall lizard that's a media guru? There's something for that. 
Uh, yeah. You want to be, and as we mentioned, Matt mentioned, a four-foot-wide nose rolling on a ball that is a spy? Yes, you can play that. They go on the Moss Eisley spaceport idea that if it's a species in a bar, you can play it. Yeah. If it is sentient, it should be able to be played. And I love that methodology. I've always loved that methodology. It makes me so happy. It's incredible. Now I want to play a noseball spy. You should. A noseball James Bond. Tell us a little bit about the play style. If you've played D&D, you can play Starfinder. Rules are D20 based, very easy to follow. They've got DCs, they've got initiative, same stuff that's in 3rd edition or 5th edition D&D. You can pick it up very, very quickly. It's not hard at all. Less magic versus science and more magic and science. You can have cybernetics. You could be a robot that casts spells. It's one of the few games that I've found that blends magic and science very well together because they basically don't overpower one or the other. They've really balanced them particularly well. Nice. How does combat run? Combat's fun, especially because magic and weapons are very leveled. So you get a lot of fun tactics that you can use. You want to throw a grenade? No problem. Want to throw a spell grenade? You could do that too. You want to throw a spell grenade and a grenade and a spell? I've done that. Sure. I loved my goblin technomancer. He was awesome. Let's talk about character creation as well. We mentioned the Moss Eisley style of creatures. Again, if you have a theme and you want to build for that theme, it's, it's very easy to do so. Starfinders also come out with a bunch of different uh, character paths and classes. So you want to be a crazy gene splicer? Do you want to be a creature that's just a host of nanobots? You can do it. A lot of fun stuff, particularly when you mix in the various types of aliens as well. It would be fun to play a swarm. Just a swarm of nanobots? Yeah, that's pretty much it. What I, I know one of the things you love, but what all do you love about this game? There's aliens. Sure. There's magic. Mm-hmm. There's robots. Mm-hmm. There's undead creatures. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of intrigue. There's space battles. And there's goblin space pirates. Goblin space <laughs> pirates. That's what I love most of all. That's what I need in my life. And what you should have in your life is a bunch of goblin space pirates slowly taking your ship apart as you fly through the void of space. That's That would be hilarious if you literally have, like, gremlins, right? Mm-hmm. There's goblin space pirates that are on the outside of your ship just slowly dismantling it and tossing it back for like the ship that's following. Like the episode of the Twilight Zone yeah. where the dude's on the plane. Yep. <laughs> there's something at the window. <laughs> and, and the goblin hides every goblin's just waving at you. He's got a wrench and some duct tape. Just Plasma cutter strapped to his back. Just slowly taking your ship apart as it's flying through the void. I mean, why not, right? That would be you should put the next time you run a Starfinder game, you should slide that in there. I'm totally doing that. Finally, we come to the last of the TTRPGs you should be playing. And Matt, you've picked an oldie as well, Aberrant, which I have never played. Tell me about what Aberrant's about. Imagine, if you will, a world where the boys and classic comic heroes exist in the same time with the social aspects of like My Hero Academia, Mm -hmm. where like having a social presence as a hero is a good thing and... It's set in the near future, but through the kind of jaded lens of late 90s comics. Ooh, so Chin X, the boys, 
and it's superheroes with my my hero academia yes all right i love this and it's by the way a white wolf product if i recall yes it is so there's that white wolf made a superhero game folks and nobody knew about it i i'm sorry we didn't know about it yeah it's true a friend of mine asked me about it because she was looking for it and i was like wait what come again uh hmm and she started talking about it i was like this sounds too dope to have been existing without my knowledge but yeah it is awesome i love it talk to me about the play style world of darkness i'm assuming d10s yep and a dice pool if you've never played a world of darkness game their mechanics are fairly simple you have a stat your rating in that stat is how many dice you get. You have skills. The number of ratings you have in that skill is how many dice you get. You add the stat to the skill. That's how many dice you get. You roll. The number of successes determines how good it is. And if you roll too many ones, you botch, and then things go very, very poorly. Eight, nine, and ten are successes. Tens, you reroll. Yep. Yeah, that's it, right? Ta-da. What do you love about this World of Darkness game, Aberrant? Everything. <laughs> I do. So I am a comic nerd, but in a very weird way. Like, I don't religiously follow any comics, but I love comics in general. I like dark, gritty comics. I like neon, golden age comics. I love all of them for what they are in the time that they were doing those things. And this takes several flavors of comics, puts them in the same world, which is not a nice place. Like there's a lot of things going on in this world. Is this part of the world of darkness? Or is this no, separate? Okay, it, is, is this separate? it is done separately. But it's still kind of in that skewed, weird lens that they yes. write their stuff? All right, yes. yeah. So it's a little dark, a little bit nefarious. Yeah, and there are definitely 100% things going on in the background of this world. I love it. That sounds great. We should We should all play this game. Yes, and if anybody's running it, hit me up. <laughs> Matt at goblinscorner.com. You can put it in the comments. Just let me know. We got an honorable mention as well, Matt. It's true. We have The Source of Epics by James Weeks. It's a great game, but this is one we have been planning to talk to the author about. We love you, James. He is a friend of the show and a friend of ours specifically. So we're going to do an actual show about that. Episode soon to come. Yes. That's right. So there you have it. Five games we feel you should be playing Right now, absolutely right now, go get those games, go play this before the credits roll. Yes, because you weren't able to be psychic enough fast enough, now you've seen the show, go play the games. Any questions or comments, hit us up at Goblin's Corner on Twitter and the various socials. Did you enjoy this podcast? We've got a whole bunch more rolling up soon. Subscribe to it on your favorite player, YouTube and Twitch. As always, click the five stars, give us a review on iTunes and Podchaser, and on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. It helps get our show in front of more people, and it feeds the hungry algorithm. Which is currently in a deep, dark mine in the northern Appalachian Mountains, filled with loneliness and dread. And the parakeet in the coal mine turns its head all the way around, and it says, Nevermore! I thought it was going to say, Spleens are delicious. I could say that, too. That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Have a good night, folks. 
The Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Show song by the Mighty D20. What a wonderful guy. This is a subterranean production. The end.